Hello and welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, the show which talks about the technologies, projects and startups driving decentralization and the global cryptocurrency revolution. My name is Sébastien Couture. And I'm Brian Farman Crane. Today is August 17th, 2014, and thanks very much for joining us for our 33rd episode. So today we're happy to be kind of back in our original formation after Sebastian's travel. So Sebastian, it's good to have you back. Thanks. It's great to be back. I'm happy to be back after, uh, I guess, two and a half weeks of holiday uh, through the Balkans, so through uh, Albania and uh, Montenegro and Croatia. So it's it was a great time, but it's good to be back. And uh, by the way, I just wanted to say that you did a really, really good job on those on those uh, episodes. Uh, I listened to them uh, as they were coming out, and uh, although I had very, very limited access to internet, <laughs> I managed to download them and listen to them on on, on some bus rides in between towns. So I fun. hope it didn't ruin you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I really like the Rodko Alt, uh, Albrecht one. Um, uh, I thought it was a really good introduction to uh, uh, to peer to peer lending. Yeah, to peer to peer lending. Yeah, uh, very interesting how this is such a strangely unique fit. Uh, I wasn't aware of it before the interview, but it yeah, was very definitely. interesting. Yeah. So, um, just as a reminder, this week uh, our Coin Summit episode is with uh, Oliver Janssens and uh, Andrew Turner. Oliver Janssens, of course, who did the uh, $100,000 bounty to replace the Bitcoin Foundation. So they talk about uh, about that bounty and how they issued a 40% of that bounty to Mike Kern for his Lighthouse project. And also, I mean, it's not 90% actually. 90%. I thought it was, was yeah. $40,000. Uh, and also. A, very interesting interview with Michael Jackson, who is a partner at Mangrove Ventures. He's a venture capitalist, and he's the former chief operating officer of Skype. And so in the interview, he talks about how uh, uh, how, how to basically go regulate disruptive technologies. I mean, so how you should or not regulate them and talks about his experiences with Skype and, and how there are a lot of parallels with, uh, with Bitcoin. So I thought it was a super interesting interview and you should definitely check that out. It's on our SoundCloud page. Yeah, and today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, reality keys. So our guest today is Edmund Edgar. Um, he is the founder of the company. I met him. Um, I, actually, I saw that he signed up for our Bitcoin Startups event uh, last uh, this Tuesday. And I remember seeing reality keys before mentioned at the Amsterdam conference because they won uh, an award there. They won the startup challenge there. So afterwards, uh, you know, I, I contacted him. It's like, hey, you should give a talk. So he's going to give a talk at the next meetup. And uh, after this meetup on Tuesday, uh, we talked with him. It was super interesting. So I thought, you know, it'd be great to have him on uh, today. So uh, Reality Keys, I mean, he's going to talk a lot more about it and go in depth about it. But they're providing cryptographic data feeds uh, or real life events. And uh, of course, this is really crucial if you want to build uh, services on top, derivatives on top, uh, insurance contracts. So when we often talk about Ethereum, about these kind of Bitcoin 2.0 protocols, um, they depend on this kind of uh, absolutely crucial. It's like an infrastructure component of that, I would say, the future of uh, cryptocurrency. And, uh, and those applications are developed on top of it. And he was previously the director of uh, information technology at Princeton Review in Japan. And he's been, uh, he's been out there for a long time. And uh, he's also a graduate of uh, Oxford. It seems somehow there's a few Bitcoin people there now uh -huh. <laughs> came from there. So yeah, thanks so much for joining us today. 
thanks for having me on. Um, so I would like, let's, um, or perhaps we can get started before we dive into reality keys. Can you tell us about how you got involved in Bitcoin? Um, I, I guess it was the, the same as I, I've heard of a lot of people got involved in the, in the same way, which was after we heard about the WikiLeaks banking blockade, we thought, what, what I thought was, well, why is it that if I want to send money to somebody, I have to go through somebody like, you know, PayPal or some, some bank in the middle. We, have, we know how to do, you know, cryptographic, we know how to do key pairs and things. Why do I have to, um, to, to depend on these guys? Isn't there a way I could send money directly to these people so that I could trade my, my effort for something else that WikiLeaks wanted? And um, so I went looking for peer-to-peer -peer currency um, and then found Bitcoin, which, you know, discussed a whole bunch of other problems that I hadn't thought of, but luckily Satoshi had solved. Um, so that's how I got into it. Oh, that's interesting. So like following WikiLeaks, if I was like, oh, what we would need is a peer-to-peer -peer currency. That's right. So and you then, put it into Google and there oh, it exists. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's super interesting. Um, and I guess then let's get started with, uh, so, so then how did you then end up starting Reality Keys? Were there other projects you were involved um, before Reality Keys? Um, well, I mean, we, I worked on a, a couple of things to do with um, virtual worlds, which is a, an, another thing that I've been working in with um, things like Second Life and, and OpenSim. Um, and I did some work on a, um, on a payment module for that, which we ended up um, not releasing because there was just not very much interest in, um, in the OpenSim world right now. Um, so, so I did some, spent some time working on that um, and then started looking at this problem and kind of all kinds of areas and how, how you, would, you would build a prediction exchange, um, uh, sorry, a prediction market and how you would solve all these problems. And it turned, it, and looking at it, it just seemed like there was this big gap that nobody was filling where everybody was saying, okay, we're going to need somebody who's going to be getting real world data and effectively connecting that data to, to the blockchain. Somebody who's going to be getting real world data and translating it into a form that a Bitcoin node can understand. And everyone was kind of assuming that organization away, but nobody was actually doing it. So, so I thought we'd better go ahead and, uh, and build it. That's what we did. And so you built Reality Keys, uh, when, when did you launch? Uh, let's think, we launched in, I think it was beginning of February or the end of, uh, of January um, this year. So we started building it about uh, October kind of time last year. Okay. So can you tell us about your, so the, the parent company is called Social Minds, you're based in Japan, and tell us about some of the other things that you do? That's right. So um, so a, a lot of our um, revenue comes from um, sort of consulting and web, web development work. Um, then we've be, we, we built a, um, a, an open, a, a 3D virtual worlds um, platform um, for connecting with OpenSim. Um, and that allowed you to connect open source learning management systems like Moodle um, into the, the virtual world so that you could manage things like study data. Um, you could teach inside a 3D virtual world and all your study data and stuff would then be, um, be stored back in Moodle and you can manage all that um, in your learning management system. Um, so, so that's the, the other project that we've been working on up till now. Um, that, that's still going, but a lot of our effort right now is going into um, reality keys. Huh. I'm always I'm always fascinated by the the amount of people that I find that were involved with 3D virtual worlds and things like Second Life before they got into Bitcoin. 
Right. I mean, it was this area that, that before we had Bitcoin, we, where we had this, um, you know, sort of open digital currency um, and this sort of open scriptable world where anybody can create things and then they can actually, you know, anybody can program those things and they all work together. So um, it, in, in some ways, there are kind of, kind of a, lot of, um, a, a lot of parallels. Um, obviously, the, the second life currency is managed by, um, by Linden Labs, this, this one central company. Um, but, you know, a, a, as a user, it's something that you can use for, for micropayments and something you can automate in very interesting ways. Um, so I think it's attracted a lot of the, the same people who have then, you know, found Bitcoin that can kind of, kind of take the idea of, a, of an open um, uh, currency that can do micropayments and that we can very easily... Um, build APIs on very easy script takes that you know Bitcoin takes that to a whole new level. So, so if if you had to kind of summarize reality keys in in like a, a few sentences for somebody who has no idea, and uh, you know maybe I can give it a try, you can uh, improve on my <laughs> try. So, so the basic idea is that you provide uh, a data feed, you no, know, on on facts. That's right. So I like to describe it as a certificate authority for facts. Certificate, so yeah. like VeriSign uh, for facts. Um, so what those guys do, something like VeriSign, will take information about identity. So if you've got a computer that wants to know, is the other computer that it's talking to really Amazon? Then the, it'll use some cryptographic data from VeriSign, and your computer can look at that cryptographic data. It, your computer may not know about identity, but your computer knows about cryptography, so it can check if a key matches, um, and it can check if that's really um, Amazon. Now, the fact that you know VeriSign can do that is based on having some people who are kind of in contact with the normal human real world, right? So they can check documents, they can make phone calls, um, they can do all these sort of normal things that a computer wouldn't be able to do, and then provide some cryptographic data that then the computer can use. So, uh, well, how does that work? Can you run us through... Um the kind of technical side of uh, how, where do you get the data from? Right. And then how do you make those facts available? Right. So, so let's imagine that you want to know about a particular event, say, is the exchange rate of the, is one euro going to be worth more than one dollar at the end of next month? So you go to our website and you put in that, um, that information, or you could do it with our, our API. Um, and we give you two public keys at that point. Okay, so we give you one public key representing, yes, it will be greater than a dollar, and one public key representing, no, it won't be greater than a dollar. Then we, um, we wait for that date that you specified to come around. And when that date comes around, we pull from some data source to find out whether that thing happened or not. Okay, so in this case, we will pull from the European Central Bank who have a, a data feed. Um, so then if, if it, there's a, there's a kind of a, a dispute process that maybe we'll get into in a, in a second, but basically if it happened, we're going to release the private key for the yes public key that we gave you earlier. And if it didn't happen, we'll give you the private key for the no public key that we gave you earlier. So that's what we do now in the Bitcoin context. What you could have done with those is when you got the public key, you could have made a special transaction. Um, a single transaction that you and some other counterparty that you have um, would share. And that transaction says that the yes key plus your key or the no key plus the other guy's key can unlock this money. 
So you'd say either of those combinations can unlock this money. So then when, we get, when you get the private key, whoever's actually supposed to have won that, whoever's supposed to get paid as a result of that contract can then spend the money. So what I find is very interesting about this, and I absolutely wasn't aware that this is even possible uh, because it's, it's, it's kind of a multi, it's a multi-signature transaction, no? But right. it's a different kind because you specifically specify it's, it's those two keys together or those other two keys together, but it's not like any two of three keys. That's right. So, so, um, so that's something that at least doing it kind of directly as described without a clever trick, which I'll, I'll mention in a second, but doing it without a clever trick um, is something that right now is a non-standard transaction in Bitcoin. So for, for people who aren't familiar with that, that means that um, by default, most of the, uh, the nodes, most of the computers on the Bitcoin network aren't going to send that, aren't going to relay that transaction to other nodes. And most of the miners aren't going to mine it. But there are some miners that will reliably mine those transactions. So you just have to directly send them to, to that miner. So that's been something that, because it's been non-standard, it's a little bit of a pain to use. So that's probably why you haven't really heard of patterns like these. Um, that most of the software that you would use, even with, with multi-sig, has been relying on the things that you can do as, as standard transactions. Um, now, ha having said that, well, um, there was a little, there is a little trick that you can use right now, which is that um, it's actually possible to kind of, to kind of combine these, um, these keys. So you, you can stick, if you stick two public keys together and, the, and, and turn that into one public key. And then when you get the private key, you can stick the two private keys together and turn that into one private key. Mm. So if you do that little bit of, um, of, 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 of trickery, then you can actually structure this thing as a traditional multi-signature um, transaction, which says either this one key so, or this other, other one key um, will be enough to earn uh, money. Interesting. Having said that, um, so, so we, um, as I said, right now, these are non-standard transactions on, the, um, on, on Bit the Bitcoin network, and you have to send them to, um, usually to Eligius, the pool that will mine these things. Um, but Gavin Anderson, the chief scientist of the Bitcoin Foundation, came up with a, has, has written a, um, a pull request that's been accepted in the main Bitcoin um, source code right now that is going to make... Uh, these transactions and all kinds of other uh, transactions using the scripting language in existing ways is going to make those standard. Um, and that's been merged into um, Bitcoin Master um, and it should all be in, um, in the next Bitcoin release, so probably in Bitcoin 0 0.10. Okay. So, so these types of transactions will eventually become standard. And what what right. other types of transactions are we talking about here? Are there any other types of transactions that would be included in this pull request that would affect, um, would, have, would affect the type of things we can do with reality keys? Um, well, as far as reality keys goes, I, I think there are quite a, quite a lot of little use cases, but that's the one that we're really thinking about that'll affect us. Um, there'll be a lot of other th things that'll affect other people. For example, um, th th things like some, some really interesting use cases that aren't reality keys use cases, like, um, like doing cross-chain um, atomic uh, trading, so that if you want to you know, trade your Litecoins for my... Uh, my bitcoins. C can you also do things such as like, you know, either those three keys or uh, those two keys are valid? You know, yeah. yep. those kind of things will be possible. That's as well. right. That's all going to be possible. So um, the the only limitation here really is that you're limited to a maximum of, of fifteen 
signature checking operations, mm. um, which in, in practice is usually as many keys as you can actually stuff into the transaction because there's a, there's a limit to the, um, the size of that. Um, but that still gives you quite a lot of leeway. Um, so the, I think the, the kind of the canonical standard transaction that's going to use reality keys is going to be um, if this person wins and yes wins, or if the other person wins and no wins, or if the yes person and the no person both agree. Um, those, so those, those three options, you'd all want to run independently um, and to be able to unlock your funds. Um, you're also probably going to want to um, add some extra, maybe this is something we, we, we talk about later in the, in the discussion, but you may also want to add some extra authorities. So if you don't want to trust reality keys 100% because you never know if something's going to happen to us, um, you may want to add a competitor to us. Um, I don't think there's anyone directly doing what we do, but you, you may, for example, want to add a standard kind of um, escrow arbitration guy um, or, you know, and really any, anyone else you, you want to add to, to that as an arbiter. Um, you could also add in different combinations. Um, so, so you could have like reality keys and some other reality keys competitor, for example, right. uh, three of right. them, and then you'd say it has to be a majority of them. Then. Exactly. That's right. Um, or, you know, whatever pattern you want to, you want to set up there. Um, Related to that, what's the use case? So you said one option would also be if the two parties agree, yeah. uh, even if, uh, so that they can essentially, uh, I guess, do whatever with right. the money. Uh, what's the idea behind that? Why, why is that necessary? Yeah, there are, well, there are two reasons you might want it. Um, one is that um, it, it gives you kind of a way out if um, reality keys turn out to be unreliable which of course we won't, but you, you know, you, you certainly want to have that one covered. Um, so if you, um, and, and there, I mean, there are, there are some um, ways of, of setting up these deals that don't even have an arbiter at all and just rely on the, you know, the two parties both having the money stuck there um, and having an incentive to move it. So, um, so, so that's one thing you certainly want to do is you certainly be able to want to both be able to, to move that money. If or you, both or if you guys will never release the private key because you disappear. Or that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and another reason you might, you might want to do it is you might decide that you want to end that, um, that transaction early. Um, so you might not want to wait for that event. One of, one of you might want to, you know, just pay a one to, um, to get out of that contract at a, a different rate. Um, so, uh, you know, so, so there are, I think there are quite a few reasons why you might end up wanting, you know, to both agree. Um, and, the, the, and apart from the, the slightly increased sort of transaction size, there's almost, there's pretty much no downside to having that option, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I'd like to discuss uh, data a little bit. So th there are yeah. a few data sources that you use. Uh, could you go over the different data sources that uh, are used by Realities? Yeah. So right now we pull from the European Central Bank for uh, traditional fiat currency exchange rates. We then have altcoin exchange rates, which I, I think, um, and out, sorry, altcoin transaction information and Bitcoin transaction information that we're getting from blockchain info and blocker IO. So that allows you to do things like, well, the, the, I mean, the, the exchange rate thing allows you to, um, to do kind of, kind of bets on future, uh, rates and currency hedging. The transaction thing allows you to do th things like say, okay, release this key. If this, um, amount of money is paid. Um, so that gives you quite, quite a lot of interesting use cases. Um, then we have Freebase, which is pretty much everything in, in the known universe. So this is this monster community curated database 
um, operated by Google. It was originally a separate pro project that I think um, Google acquired, um, which has um, all kinds of data that it pulls in from all kinds of different data sources, a lot of it from Wikipedia. Um, and that will allow you to really, and, it, and it's very well-structured kind of semantic data. So you can really create kind of arbitrary propositions, right? Um, will Barack Obama, you know, marry Madonna? You, you, can, you can say really whatever you like. Um, you can formulate really whatever kind of question that you want, you want to, to formulate if it's about factual stuff. Um, and we can express that in this Freebase language. Um, and hopefully Freebase will also have the correct answer. If they don't, we'll have a solution that we can talk about. So I'm interested, I, I had never heard of Freebase before, and uh, so I just kind of realized that it's probably what powers a lot of the Google Open Graph stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. That's my understanding is that, um, that, that a lot of that information is, it will be powering sort of Google Suggest and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. So who, who curates this, this data? Um, as I understand it, it's a, a lot of volunteers are contributing and then they have their own kind, kind of um, full-time staff at Freebase. Um, that's how I understand they're doing it. Um, so it's, it's quite similar to the Wikipedia model, except that it's um, it's semantic, it's structured data uh, designed for machines rather than uh, um, rather than kind of text data designed for humans. Okay, and and so yeah, perhaps we can go into because obviously there's going to be errors there, right. and uh, there may also be uh, ways for people to intentionally yes. uh, fake the data. That's right. Um, so can you uh, talk a bit about how Reality Keys is going to address this problem? Yeah, so the way we work is um, we, we effectively give, give you information in two stages. The first thing that we do is we pull from the API, so we get you an automated result. Um, so if that's, you know, in the, in the Freebase case, it'll be information that may have been tinkered with by somebody or, you know, you, it may just be inaccurate. Um, we then publish that information on our website. And you have a certain amount of time which you can uh, you can set when you uh, create the contract or when you when you edit when you register the fact with us, um, during which you can pay us an objection fee. And if you pay if you pay us that fee, then we will have a human um, just check it out and you know g Google the result and get to the bottom of it. Um, so what that does is, in the vast majority of cases, you we don't need to do anything, right? In the vast majority of cases, the um, the API will settle the thing correctly. Um, and we only need to get a human involved in the thing if somebody pays the fee. And they'll usually only bother paying the fee if the API is wrong. Um, so what that gives us is in the average case, we get a very, very low cost of settlement. We only really need the human when they're absolutely required. Um, but because there's this human um, kind of fallback mechanism, we can get, you can get, be very, very confident that, um, you know, that we're going to get to the right, right result. So uh, sort of jumping in here, this is like slightly, uh, well, related, but slightly yeah. off topic. So that also means that in the sort of default case, you guys don't make any money, right? That's right. That's, that's how it's structured at the, at the moment. I, I think in the future, we may end up um, doing some kind of different levels of service. So um, especially if people end up, you know, put, putting a lot of money behind these contracts, then I think people will be, be willing to pay for a faster service or a better secured service. Or, you know, so, so, yeah. so I, I think, in, you know, in, in the end, we will um, end up charging for, um, for some things apart from this kind of human um, action. But, um, but, but it, I mean, we will, we'll see how it goes. If it ends up that we do end up needing a lot of human interaction, then that might be maybe sufficient to, um, to fund the whole thing. Um, but I, I don't think it's a problem. I think once we've 
we've got a lot of money spinning around these contracts. There will be, you know, some kind of extra service that people will be willing to pay for. So with regards to this, this human intervention, yeah. can you go into detail about how that works? I can, I can, I can see yeah. some, some cases where perhaps even humans would not correctly in, 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 interpret the data. I mean, say, yeah. for instance, that you're dealing with information that is specific to one country, or an, in, yeah. which is in another language, and perhaps you have to translate. Uh, I'm sorry? Ambiguous. Yeah. Or ambiguous, I mean, yeah, that, that, right? Well, that, that, I mean, there's right. a whole bunch of use cases that's right. where are, perhaps the data that, is right. different to interpret. That's right, and that, and that's true actually of, se- of settling any of these these contracts. And it's, it's also you know the, it's also true of things like um, betting contracts right now that they're often not ambiguous, you know, corner cases. Um, and in that case, we'll you know we'll just do what we can. Um, so you know that that's kind of the service that we offer. Um, so I would you know caution against pe- people. Create as, as I say with Freebase, you can put in pretty much any kind of proposition, but obviously you don't want to go, go putting in propositions that there's no way we can actually settle, you know. And we, and we do want to be able to settle these things based on publicly available information as well. So, um, so you know, not just um, information that we are able to get at, but information that anybody is able to verify, so that everybody can tell that those um, responses that we publish are actually correct. But so if somebody puts um, a fact in that isn't actually, you, you can't make a decision on. Yeah. Uh, how do you guys deal with that? I mean, um, I. Yeah, we will, we'll, we'll just do what we can with it. I mean, I mean, you know, we, we, we've got some stuff in there where people manage to structure free base propositions in a way that don't actually mean anything. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think there is messing around with it. It's probably okay. But I mean, we'll, you know, yeah. we, we, we can. Or, or you could just not publish any. Yeah, I mean, it, or, or both, well, well, it, it, I guess. Well, no, we, we, we wouldn't. We wouldn't, um, we wouldn't publish neither or both. Ultimately, if somebody pays the fee, I think we're going to end up publishing one of the keys or the other key. Yeah, um, but whoever but, pays and, more. And, and, and well, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> okay. um, so not something that we can do because um, that would shoot our reputation to hell. But what we um, what we what we can do is, you know, we we can at least let them put their case in, um, yeah. you know, uh, see, see what the arguments for it are. Um, but but like I say. Um, the, the, the best way to use the thing is not to write ambiguous stuff yeah. that, that's going to be hard for us to, um, so, and to settle. And, th- and that also applies for things that Freebase may actually have an opinion about, but it's kind of tricky. Um, I would strongly advise people not to write kind of tricky contracts and then hope that they're going to, you know, the counterparty is going to think it means something else than what it really means, you know. Um, that, that's also something where the, you know, the, there may be a legitimate API answer, but then a human answer may be, may be different. So, um, so, you know, just don't get clever. <laughs> just, um, just stick to, well, you know, reasonably unambiguous factual contracts. So, uh, I mean, I think this whole idea, especially a prediction market, right, yeah. is, is, is very interesting. And, um, you know, we haven't seen it yet, but that right. could have huge uh, yeah. implications in the future. Yeah. But, of course, it also is, uh, can be very controversial. Right. And it can lead to cases that are morally... Right. Uh, tricky. Yeah. So, uh, you know, specifically, you know, I could put up like a fact, you know, Barack Obama will be killed in 2015. Right. And then uh, some parties could create a contract based on right. that. And then essentially, uh, you know, you could uh, fund uh, yeah. uh, the killing of right. somebody in a sort of decentralized yeah. way, which yeah. is a crazy idea. No? Yeah. So, um, I'm sure you don't want to be your we, platform we, be used we, we for that kind of thing. We want to be used for that kind of thing. So, are you going to be censoring facts? Well, 
Right now, we actually have have a couple of those namespaces um, blocked for, for, for Freebase, but um, ultimately, my view is that we are telling you the truth about what's happening in the world. We don't know what you're doing with that stuff. And the the, the problem here, I mean, in the in the Barack, you know, in in a lot of these cases, is that. Um, there are all kinds of legitimate things that you could be doing with that data, and we can't tell which it is you're doing, right? So we can't tell the difference between, we don't even see the contract at all, right? So we can't tell the difference between what could be a, a will or what could be a, you know, an, a, a life insurance contract or an insurance contract or, or a better what, right? We, we just um, don't see any of that stuff. Um, having said that, what I would say about these illegal contracts is that our service is very, very public. Um, and bi- I mean, Bitcoin is also very, very public. I know there are ways to be anonymous, but Bitcoin is also, you know, public and leaks a lot of information in ways that you, you <laughs> may, not, may not have thought of. Um, we also, I mean, I mean, if you read our policy, you know, our um, privacy policy, we, you know, we do uh, record IP addresses, which we would, you know, we would cooperate with law enforcement if there was a reason to think somebody was committing a crime. Um, so I, I think that, to be honest, if I was trying to, if, if I was a criminal trying to assassinate somebody, then I would probably not use a public legal service like, um, you know, like Reality Keys. Um, I, I think ultimately we will probably, the world will probably end up with, I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I heard there was somebody who was doing kind of, esc- was offering to do escrow for assassination contracts of, of politicians, um, which they thought was kind of a good thing in itself, you know, regardless of the politician. Um, I, I, you know, so I, I suspect that people who are interested in doing that kind of thing will use a service run by somebody who's a bit more into actually doing that, you know, yeah. um, and, and also probably, probably, you know, an, an ambiguous, uh, sorry, a kind of a, a dark net thing on, on tour or something. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I'd say about it is that, you know, if you wanted to do a, if you wanted to make contracts where you would profit if Barack Obama was assassinated, um, you don't need Bitcoin or reality keys to do that right now. I mean, I, I remember... After 9-11, there was a lot of speculation that, there, that a bunch of stock trades had been made by somebody who knew in advance that 9-11 was going to happen, right? And I mean, there were, there were a bunch of stock trades that you could make, you know, followed by some kind of destruction of property, you know, that, that would actually alter, you know, change the stock. So there's, there's nothing particularly new about this. Um, well, it's and it, a, mo- a lot more direct, of course, if he... Uh, well, it, there, are, there are certainly some, some new patterns that you can imagine yeah. you know, that would have been difficult b- before. Um, but and, and the, but the, other, the other thing I'd say, is, I mean, I mean, even if, if you wanted to bet on the assassination of Barack Obama, effectively you can do that right now, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone, if any bookmaker will offer you odds on um, the death of Barack Obama, but you can, you can certainly get odds on Joe Biden becoming president. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing, pretty much. Right? Um, so, so um, you know, I, it, it's it's something that, in a way, has always been with us, and um, and it will certainly have some some new forms as these contracts, you know, take take place in um, uh, in in the Bitcoin world. Um, like I say, you generally probably wouldn't be sensible to use reality keys for for these kind of contracts, um, but it, maybe someone will try. Yeah, but like you, like you said, you're just reporting the facts. That's right. We just report. I mean, you're, you're not dealing with the contracts, and uh, so uh, that's right. And and yeah, but, and, and the facts are the facts. I mean, right, right. But that's I. I guess that sort of also ties into the question: is like, why did you choose to do it this way with using two uh, Bitcoin addresses in public, publishing the private key instead of 
I guess being involved directly in the contracts would yeah. be one way, or maybe signing a cryptographic message, or I don't know what, right. what well, other well, so, options so there would be. That's right. So, so what a lot of people are doing in, in, in this area, certainly for, um, uh, for these kind of arbitration type of, of use cases, is that you're making a, um, a transaction with, that needs a certain number of signatures, and then you have an arbiter who is one of the um, parties to that, who is one of those signatures. Um, or maybe multiple arbiters who, um, who give you multiple signatures. Um, and we, um, we were a, a, a little bit reluctant to do that. Um, firstly, because we, we really don't want to know about your contract, right? I mean, you know, it, it seems like people have a reasonable, you know, expectation of, of privacy in, in this kind of area. Um, and, and, it, and it would actually kind of broaden our, our regulatory service in a way. If we're actually in, involved in these contracts, there's always the possibility that you're going to get involved in court cases where somebody says, well, you know, we, we think it, we, maybe the, the kind of the machine readable text of this contract says this, but... Um, but I, I, by the way, I just want to point out that yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a contract. I mean, it could just mm. be some sort of an automation. You know, you, well, that, that's, that's right. So, you know. I mean, yeah, we've, been, we've actually, that was the, the thing that I was about to say is that we've been talking about this completely in the Bitcoin context. Um, but like I say, I don't think of us as a Bitcoin arbitrator. Um, I don't think of us even as limited to cryptocurrency. Um, we're a certificate authority for facts. So you might, you know, it, it might be a question of, okay, you know, we, we, we've, you know we've got, it, well, certainly it could be a will. Um, that's a that's a case that I'd love to do. Um, like I said, at the moment we've got this space block, but I'd I'd love to be able to help people with wills, you know, to to get um, quick results. So um, so you would need to have uh, for that to happen, you need to have a data feed on people's deaths. That's right. right? I need a data yeah. feed on, on people's deaths. Um, but yeah, I, I'd love to do that one. Um, but but also there are a lot of kind of non cryptocurrency potential use cases that I have I think really haven't been explored yet because we've just never been able to do this. Um, I mean, the, the one I was thinking about on the, on the tram on the way over was, um, um, you know, if, if, if you want to know who's, who's won a football match and you want the trophy to deliver itself, right? Um, you know, just, just who, who's, who's supposed to be able to control the drone? Well, you want the winner of the football match to be able to bring the trophy over by the, by the drone, you know? Um, I mean, and that's kind of, kind of maybe kind of far-fetched, but, but, you know, or you might want to do, you know, who, how, are the, how are the doors going to open on the stadium? We want the losers out first because they're always in a bad mood, you know? Um, so, so, you know, who, who knows what kind of um, things people can, could, are going to want to do with this. Um, and, and sli- I mean, slightly more trivially, you can make messages with these things, right? So it's not just for signing. These keys can also be used for encrypting messages. So you can write a message. You can write, I mean, well, we're still, still on, the, on the deaths use case. Um, you know, you might want to write a message to somebody that says, you know, I'm, I'm your real father. I didn't want to say when well, I'm still alive because it would be kind of weird, you know. Well, I'm not, I'm not your real oh. father, whatever it is, you know. I mean, and then it could only be encrypted. It's encrypted, uh, decrypted the, once the person's key. dead. That's right. With yeah. the private key that's then published. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a, 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 yeah. That's a, that, that, <laughs> that was a slightly icky one, but I'm, I'm sure people out there can come up with, you know, come, come up with some, some other examples where um, I, I think we really haven't really be, begun to explore this kind of space. Um, and, and also, I mean, you know, with the example of the drone and the trophy, as more and more things in the world are um, sort of are, are networked and automated, um, I think we'll see more and more use cases where you say, okay, has, you know, the, the, the one that, that Mike Holm was, was discussing was, um, was something like, has, the, um, ha, does, does, has this car had its debt paid off? 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, with the yeah. the lease payments and yeah. the operation of That's the right. car. And he, right. he had a kind of looking at the blockchain, but you don't necessarily have to look at look at the blockchain. You don't even necessarily need a you know an, an internet connection to do this. You can just come in and um, once you've got the key, you can bring that over offline. Somebody you can communicating it, communicate it how you like. You know, mm. like so you you could build a car in the beginning. Yeah, that would uh, would be unlocked every month with a different. Right, okay, and that, that's right. Has, has the money been paid beforehand, and each month with the lease payments, you get the corresponding yeah, yeah, yeah. priority. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a huge amount of kind of stuff. A lot of it very sci-fi, but the world is getting very sci-fi. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is down. probably one of the single most like interesting aspects of, of Bitcoin 2.0, and really, like we need services like Reality Keys to make that all happen. Right. In, in, a se- in essence. So can you tell us about some like some other promising applications that could be built on top of Reality Keys, like given that you have the proper data sources? What are some other types of things that would, yeah, like really far-fetched, like uh, super futuristic stuff? Well, uh, actually, actually I, I should tell you, oh, there's, there's a data source I forgot to mention, which isn't that futuristic, but I should just tell you about it since I've, I've nearly finished it, um, which is that we pull from Runkeeper. Um, so, so actually, somebody somebody said to us that they wanted us to do the Withings API, um, which is yeah, I have one of those. You you have one of those. You see, you see I, I don't, which is why we didn't build the Withings API. Um, but the, so so these are these. If, if I tell me if I've got this wrong, these are these kind of um, internet connected gadgets, right? So Wi Fi scale, Wi Fi right? scales, yeah. and they have like heartbeat things and, and all these other things. Um, yeah. So 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 they said that they wanted to be able to to do basically contracts with their future selves. So rather than doing contracts with some other person. So, um, so, so and, we, and I love this idea. I, actually, I love it kind of op- opportunistically short term because it's so easy to bootstrap, right? You don't need to find the counterparty. You just, you know, if you know how to use it, your future self also knows how to use it. Um, so, so we went ahead and built that. We've integrated with the RunKeeper API. Um, and so, so we can pull from there and say, I can say, if I run, you know, 10 kilometers by next Thursday, then I'm going to get this money back. If I don't do that run, then it's going to go to charity. How, how would you do that? So, so how would the, the, so it makes sense to me how you could like pay it back to yourself. Yeah. But could you automate it being paid to charity? Well, we need the, in, at least the, the, the way I've thought of doing it, maybe something clever that I haven't thought of, but we need to get the charity to claim it effectively. Yeah. Because they yeah. need to know how to kind of cash in this, this um, special transaction. Um, there may be something cunning you can do involving, you know, um, uh, sort of time delayed yeah, transactions and stuff where you should can be send possible. It you, probably, you can probably yeah. do that. Um, but yeah, so so um, so so we've we've actually been building that as kind of an example for for people to play with. Um, so that that's actually there's a kind of a still broken version there, but that's functional now. And and, and you can do some of. nice like betting thing, right? So me, I, and Sebastian, we could bet together like who's gonna run more in the yeah. next thirty days. And yeah, like, that's uh, right. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you could do that on our IPA right now, but we could probably fix it so that you could do that. Um, and you and you can and, we, and you can also do the backwards version of that one, which would be um, kind of a sponsored. The, the backwards version of the, the thing that I suggested, which would be like a sponsored walk, right? Which is that your money to goes to goes to charity if you complete the the run, oh. and if you don't complete the run, then it goes back to the person who um, who funded it. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to me like the opportunities are pretty much limitless. Um, I, I, do you intend on adding other APIs or perhaps even opening up the platform so that other people can build in 
these APIs into reality keys. Like uh, yeah. if you look at just like if this, then that, for instance, like they've got right. dozens and perhaps even hundreds of different APIs. Like there's APIs for everything now. Yeah. If if you would somehow open up the platform so that people can code in APIs to right. be able to create these reality keys, I think that would just kind of really open up to a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So, so, um, so, so I guess two questions there. The first, I mean, the first one is about adding APIs, which we, we certainly will. Um, and, you know, if you look at this thing and there's, there's something that you need and, um, and, and we don't have it, then, you know, let's know we, we're, you know, going to be adding APIs all the time. Um, as far as opening it up goes, um, it's certainly something I'm interested in doing. Um, I'm a little bit worried about whether you're, whether, uh, I, I'm a little bit worried about kind of the terms of service of some of this data that people could, um, could set us up to pull from. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit nervous of allowing you to register things that we would then not be allowed to pull from. Um, I mean, that, that, that may, may turn out to be okay, but, uh, oh, but that's, okay. That's, a, that's a concern. Um, the, the, the other way we might do this is to use somebody else in the middle. Um, so there are services like um, Yahoo Pipes, I think is, is still running, yes, which, is yeah. The, yeah, which is kind of this um, kind of toolkit for kind of slicing and dicing information from different sources. Um, so what we might do is just do a kind of a generic um, API to Yahoo Pipes and then, um, and then pull from that, and then you can make whatever pipe you want. Um, and, I, and I think there is also an open source implementation of Yahoo Pipes out there somewhere so that if, um, if they stop providing that service, we can still um, confirm those facts. Um, the, the other way this might be going I don't, um, is that some, some people are working on platforms that are really much more that will do really kind of much more generic computation um and that's something that we're also interested in doing i'm a little bit nervous about some of the kind of the the, the legal implications but um but it's something i'm looking into can you so, tell me more about that yeah so the, the the recent announcement was um codius which i don't know if you heard of that's by the ripple team so this is kind of their answer to Ethereum in that what, so what, what Ethereum does is it allows you to, to make um, kind of arbitrary logic that all of the nodes, I guess, I guess in, the, um, in the Ethereum network are going to be able to run and validate mm -hmm. um, so that you can run effectively arbitrary logic on um, under these conditions, you know, these... Um, these funds or these assets should go here and under these conditions they should go to, to this other person. So that's what Ethereum do. But then the, um, if you want to do that without actually forcing all the nodes in the network or, or even forcing the miners to all execute for these arbitrary, contract, arbitrary contracts that may have loops in or kind of, you know, other difficulties. Um, the other way to do it is if the, if the parties to this thing just agree on some, um, what, well, what are called oracles, on some authorities who are going to run that contract for them and say what the result is. So um, this is something that um, Gavin Anderson was, was talking about. Um, he's, he's written a post uh, where he calls it um, Bit Ethereum, um, which is this concept that you're going to do um, sort of key, 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 all the key-based stuff and the kind of the property tracking on the Bitcoin network. But when it comes to actually running some arbitrary code and, you know, slicing and dicing a bunch of, of different data sources, um, you could have a bunch of trusted arbiters, arbiters who do that. Um, and they don't have to be that trusted because you can combine a, a whole bunch of different ones and um, take a majority vote. Um, so he called it Bit Ethereum, and then the, there's this implementation called Codius, 
Um, and what Codius do is they use the Google, what's it called? Google Native Engine, is it called? Google NACL. No. Uh, it's not the App Engine. It's, um, it's kind of, kind of this um, kind of sandboxed um, programming. Mm. I guess it's a runtime. Anyway, if you Google NACL, that'll, that'll show up. Um, and their project is called Codius. Um, so I, th I think they've, they've come up with an implementation that is right now is just a JavaScript sandbox, I think, rather than using NACL, they say they're going to use. Um, but the idea is that they're going to write, um, you're going to have this sandbox that a lot, a lot of different people can run. And the, you'll be able to write in various different programming languages and you'll be able to pull from, you know, whatever, um, whatever data sources you want and then run whatever code you want to. So would the idea be that um, you allow, so that either, I guess that there'll be two ways, if I'm correct, that this could be interface or reality keys, either that uh, some of this Codius code could use um, a fact from reality keys as, yeah. a, as an input in the guess, computations, yeah. or you could have a, an output of the Codius uh, yeah. the, the Oracle result as an input. Right, that's right. So, so the, the um, yeah, the, the input thing, I, yeah, maybe you want to do that. That's an interesting thought. Um, and, I, and I, yeah, I've been just kind of, kind of tinkering with the idea of um, setting up a Codius node and, you, and do, doing that the way we do it, where we just release keys. Um, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried, okay, are the situations where if I'm running arbitrary financial code that people are going to do naughty things and that's my responsibility. Or, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure. It's still yeah. kind of... Need to talk to my lawyer about that one, but um, I don't know. The, the Codius team <laughs> seem to think that it's an okay thing to be doing. Um, so, so, so that's that's something that's something that we may do with reality keys. Um, alternatively, it's, it may be that reality keys end up carrying on doing what we're doing for things where you need facts, and then a bunch of other people are going to end up running these Codius nodes, um, you know, and, um, and and signing. Right now, they they sign transactions rather than releasing keys. Uh, I think in their implementation. Um, but it's, so. Yeah. So I think there, there's definitely a lot more to talk about the application stuff. Yeah. And I, I think we should definitely do that. But I just very briefly want to ask uh, about one more topic that mm. sort of relates to the, the technical side to yeah. this. And so obviously you're using Bitcoin. So Actually, my, well, sorry, just, just ask your question. I, th I think the answer is no, we're not using Bitcoin. <laughs> we're using Bitcoin addresses. And uh, yeah, kind of. Okay, yeah, that's right. Public keys, right? So, yeah. So my question is because you are starting yeah, yeah. Ethereum and other right. projects like that. Um, so if an Ethereum application wants to use reality keys, yep. uh, would they then you know use the the Bitcoin public uh, become private yeah. key, etc., and essentially uh, tie that into an Ethereum contract, which is yeah. probably possible, right? Yes. Uh, or would you have maybe additional ways of releasing facts that are more tied to a Ethereum platform? Or, yeah. Or so, so, yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, we, the public keys that, um, that we, the, the key pairs that we use are, they, they are actually created by a Bitcoin D. Um, but you know, the, the keys that Bitcoin uses are just, you know, ECC key pairs. Um, so they're not at all limited to the Bitcoin network. Um, so without us doing anything, you can use those keys on all kinds of other systems. Um, anything that's, you know, capable of doing, of, of checking those, um, signatures, you know, using the, the same, um, crypto that, um, the Bitcoin does can use our keys as they are. So it would be possible, I guess, once, once Ethereum is running, it would certainly be possible to just use our keys in Ethereum contracts. 
um, and, and also I think on you know Ripple and um, and really anything else. So that, that that's certainly possible. However, Ethereum has quite a nice way of handling this, which is that they allow you to literally publish a signed feed, um, if it's a, to publish data to the um, Ethereum blockchain. Um, and you can then also charge for it to be read, in, it, it, it seems, if I understand that right. <laughs> I haven't tried this. Um, so, so, um, so it can be used right now, but there are probably some things that we could do to optimize to, for Ethereum. Um, I, I'd certainly like to publish kind of Ethereum native uh, data feeds. So, so that's only something I'm thinking hard about. So that, of course, would also be an interesting, uh, different monetization well, right. Way, yeah, that's right. right. If you yeah. can charge for, if you can charge for, 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 yeah. Yeah, for seeing those things. Um, well, then I guess let's let's sort of uh, dive a little bit more into uh, the application side. So, um, I did an interview with Gavin Wood uh, two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of as the Ether sale was ending its two-week mark, and uh, and when I was talking to him. Uh, one area that he emphasized and that I hadn't thought so much beforehand was uh, insurance. Mm. So, uh, you know, cause I asked him like, uh, you know, wh- what do you think could be like one of these big industries, first big industries that w- would really be disruptive is insurance. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, of course a very interesting use case, also very closely related to prediction markets. No? Yeah. Um, At so- least technically it's all the same moves, right? Technically, it's yeah. like kind of the same thing, That's no? Right, yeah. So, but uh, I was wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I certainly think it's a plausible use case. Um, there are there are some situations where I think you might actually want to know your counterparty to do a lot of insurance um, stuff, you know. Where, whereas in a you know in a, in a prediction market case, it doesn't it doesn't really matter who the counterparty is as long as you get paid. Um, but in an insurance case. Um, you often probably want to know about the motivations of the person you're dealing with, as well as, you know, the, the final um, financial bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're, you know, making a contract where they're going to get paid, if the light, lighthouse gets burnt down, then you, you would probably want to know the identity of that person. Yeah. You know, it, but that, that kind of, I guess, depends how fireproof your lighthouse is, right? I mean, there, there might be situations where, um, where that's going to work. So, so, um, so I certainly think there are some insurance use cases. Um, I, I think in a, in a way, yeah, a, a lot of them are just a little bit tricky in terms of getting the right sort of incentive structure, um, but it can certainly be done, yeah. Okay, so insurance, yes, I think it's definitely an interesting use case. I, I guess also a big challenge will be, I think, to just build these user interfaces on top right. of it, uh, to build like ways of price finding. Right. I think that's going to be a huge challenge. That's right. There's a, there's a lot to do. You know, we're, we, we've kind of consciously taken very, one very small slice of this problem. Um, we haven't tried to build, you know, a prediction market or um, any of other things that, that we could build with the exception of this Runkeeper one, which, which nobody else was going to do, right? Because um, we, we really just wanted to, to make something that people could take a look at and learn from. Um, but yeah, that's, that's right. We're, we're not interested in building any of those things. Um, we're, you know, we, we're hoping that other people will, but uh, you know, the, the great thing about the, about working in Bitcoin right now is that there is just so much, you know, innovative, uh, talent and so many people building any damn things that you, you can pr- pretty much say that if, if it should be built, you know, somebody's going to build it. Um, so, so, so I, th- I, th- I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do to get, especially to get kind of beyond 
techie stuff to get to get you know to the for, for normal users to be able to um, to use this stuff. Uh, there's a lot of work to do, but there are a lot of very smart people who seem to be doing it. Yeah, I think that's the case with a lot of the. I mean, a lot of this Bitcoin stuff is just building the user experience to to a level of at which people can can actually use it. Um, it yeah, I mean, we had a talk on uh, multisig, uh, yeah. so it wasn't the last one. It was one uh, at the meet previous meetup, and mm-hmm. I thought um, one thing the guy said was was really interesting, and, and he was like that the biggest uh, challenge with multisig is going to be. Uh, Usability, absolutely, and like user interfaces and all. Like otherwise, it's pretty simple. Understanding right. is pretty simple, but actually making it usable and that is a big challenge. That's right, and and I suspect that we're going to end up with effectively sort of custom clients for, or or at least custom kind of user interaction um, elements for all these different kinds of things. You know, so so to us technically, you know, we, the way we've been talking, you know, insurance is just the same as. Um, you know, a bet, and that's just the same pretty much as a runkeeper, you know, ch- challenge on whether I'm going to finish this run. You know, and to, to, to Bitcoin, they all look kind of similar, um, but to the, to the user, they look like very different things, and they're going to need very different, um, yeah. different interfaces. No, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I totally agree. So, 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 I, so I, yeah, sorry, I, I was just going to say, I think there's an opportunity in pretty much every single space. Uh, that's what follows from that, you know, is, is that we're not going to have one person who's going to build the, you know, the contract interface we're gonna there's a you know there's an opportunity for somebody to do uh, a really interesting project on weather futures and somebody else to do a prediction market you know. um, what, what so yeah so what are some other uh, sectors that you think can be uh, completely disrupted by um the the, the one that kind of struck the, the one that I've kind of kind of learned more about since I've been doing this has is actually is kind of um, sort of financial futures where um, I, as you've been, you know, talking to some people from um, from the industry. So what I hadn't realised was, I mean, I mean, even things like weather futures. You know, if you if you Google, okay, I want to do as a sort of a retail customer or small business customer, if you say I want to just sort of hedge against um, rain tomorrow because I'm doing an outdoor event or something, it, it, there's actually not much there in terms of good options. Um, and talking to people in the in the industry, it really seems like we've got all of the dysfunctionality that we're used to in the payment space. That's the same and worse in the kind of in the in the future space. Um, so, so I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, and, and, and there's also a complete lack of transparency when it comes to pricing. Yeah, yeah. And by the, and by the way, this is one of the interesting things about about uh, reality keys is that you can be very transparent or very obscure as you like. Um, so if you use our keys as they are, they're published on the website. Anybody can look at the blockchain uh, at least once those, those have been settled. Anybody can look at the blockchain and see that um, this was a contract about this particular fact. Oh, that's true. Yes. But it's also possible if you prefer to do it this way, it's also possible to combine our key using a similar trick to the, the ones we just discussed earlier. You can co- combine our key, you can kind of blind it and can be, combine it with another key that's only known to the participants. Um, and if you do that, then nobody's going to know. We won't know. Um, we won't be able to look at the blockchain and know that the, you know the, this um, oh, the, this transaction. This yeah, that's fascinating. Um, uh, so, yeah. so yeah, we we've kind of tried to go with the. I, what I think is is nice about this way of doing it is that it, it kind of goes with the grain of Bitcoin. That it gives the users a lot of control. If you want to be transparent, you can be very very transparent in the way that didn't used to be possible. And if you want privacy, you can have a lot of privacy. Um, you're, you know, we, we've been we've been used to this kind of very, very kind of um, slightly nasty kind of half, half measure where you can never really get as tra- transparent as you want 
or as private as you want. So what kind of timeline do you expect? Do you think we're going to see um, working applications that actually end users are going to use in, um, what do you expect? Is it going to be two years? Is it going to one year or I, longer I think, than that? Um, well, we should have the runkeeper one out in a week or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the... Um, and the things that I've heard people are building, you know, it sounds to me like we'll have stuff out this year um, the, f- from what people have told me they're building. Um, and I, I mean, I just, you know, turned up at a meetup in, in Berlin, um, you know, last week and found some people were building on reality keys. So, you know, it, it does sound like there is, there is stuff happening and there's going to be um, stuff that sounds unusable. Um, that said, we're in it for the long run. You know, we, um, w- when I went into this, um, it was very clear that we really have, have no idea how long it's going to take for this stuff to get traction. Um, I'm perfectly prepared to wait 10 years and just carry on running the service with, <laughs> I, you know, it, even if hardly anybody uses it, I, I, you know, we can, we can just keep on um, providing the service, you know, until it takes root. And I, you know, we're, we're in for the long haul here. And speaking of the long run, like, do you think that there's any way, because one, one of the criticisms that you may get is that, you know, it, it is centralized and yeah. there's no transparency going on in the background. Do you think that this is a way perhaps to decentralize uh, reality keys in the future and may, perhaps have some premium services built on top of that? Yeah. So there are really, there, I guess there are a couple of angles to this. One is that there are some, um, there are some systems that are being built kind of from the ground up that are supposed to get you um, world sort of external information about the world um, through mechanisms that don't actually require any kind of trusted arbiter. Um, and th- these are really interesting projects. So, so one is called Shellingcoin, another is called Truthcoin. Um, I, I haven't looked much at, at Shellingcoin, but if, if you read the, you know, Truthcoin has some um, quite, quite an extensive work, white paper, and I think there's quite a lot of work going on there. Um, and I, I really encourage people to look at those, you know, those projects if you're interested in this area. Um, having said that, you know, the, the, these things, so they rely on things like, you know, shilling points where there's this idea that it's easier to get to the truth than to say something untrue. So you can, just like we get miners to, um, to all validate these transactions and they're kind of incentivized to, to tell the truth, to stay in line with the consensus. The idea is that you can do something similar with um, facts about the world. Um, so this is, you know, it's, it's a very interesting project and it may work. But it'll be a long time, even if they finish it soon, it'll be a long time before we know whether it works because it really needs to be tested under real world conditions. Yeah, and when, um, when real money is at stake. That's right. So that, that's, it's this, I mean, the same is true of, of Bitcoin and, and a lot of these, um, you know, the, the new technologies in altcoins. But we, yeah, we don't really know whether they work until we've actually put some serious money behind them and given people incentive, you know, to, to try to break them. Um, so that's one possible angle is that it may be possible to completely decentralize the whole thing. Um, but we don't know yet. The other angle is, okay, what, um, what can we do in, in the reality keys end? Um, I mean, one thing I would say is, uh, although you've got to choose your arbiters, you can choose as many arbiters as you like, right? As long as people actually show up to do that. So e- even though, I mean, we're a centralized, you, you can think of us as a, as a if, we, if we're a node in the total system, if you're making a, um, a contract, you might have, you know, seven different people um, and you're taking a majority um, verdict from them. That's not really such a centralized system, right? Um, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got a majority, of, it's a kind of a, de- a decentralized system, but where the, pe- the nodes in the system are known. 
Okay, so so um, so that's where you know I, I think this thing should be going is that we have kind of these kind of known nodes. Um, we may end up kind of internally. I'd like um, if, if certainly if we end up with a lot of money riding on this thing, I'd like more kind of internal checks and balances. So as well as in your contract, you will be able to um, pull to get stuff from a bunch of different arbiters. Our keys would also depend on some, some kind of semi-independent organizations um, agree. Um, but even there, I, I think the right way to do this, for, at least for a lot of use cases, is to have identified trusted people. Um, so in that sense, you know, it, it's not going to be a, a system like Bitcoin where anybody can, can become a, um, a, a node without needing to gain trust. Um, to do that, I think you need some kind of a system like, you know, Truthcoin or, or Shellingcoin. Um, the, there are some, some, some guys, there's a, there's a project called um, something like Orisi, which talking about themselves as a, as a decentralized um, oracle. Um, but in, in a way, they, they end up with the same thing. I mean, you, you, you get a bunch of people all running loads and you trust and you figure out how much you should trust each of them and, um, and you combine a bunch of them. You know, so, so, I, so I think that's probably going to be the model. Um, I, I suspect that, as I said, when we were talking about kind of the very illegal uh, use cases earlier, um, I suspect that the market will end up producing some kind of a, a sort of a, a, a bunch of sort of darknet nodes to, you know, people who are kind of doing this fairly anonymously. Um, but they're still going to be relying on reputation, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I guess that's also going to be a way to deal with uh, increasing money at stake is to increase the number of uh, that's right. like services like you. Because of that's course, right. if, a, if a million dollar that's right. if contract or $10 million contract depends on uh, which us. private key you're going to release, it's right. also going to put um, you at risk in a sense, yeah. because of course, somebody can come and put a gun to your head right. and, and that might be uh, economically... Yeah, you that's, know, real that's right. risk. Right? That's right. So, so if you're putting, if you were putting serious money in this, you know, you you should be really combining multiple authorities. You you shouldn't be putting huge sums of money on on just our service. Um, mm. But but at the same time, we we can also do the, the same kind of thing internally, and in that we can structure our organisation such that if somebody put a gun to my head, I still wouldn't be able to you know, just by myself, given the key, maybe they need to, you know, find three guys in three different cities and put guns to all their heads and they could do yeah. it. That, that um, might be a good thing as long as I can actually persuade them that, you know, that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I, so I think we, you know, we probably end up going in that direction, but like I say, you know, for, 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 for big money, you want multiple authorities. Um, and that, that makes everybody safer. Well, I, I would say before we wrap up, so we're sort of, um, coming towards the end, but do you want to go into very briefly um, your views on uh, Bitcoin 2.0 protocols, whether it's like Ethereum or uh, protocols that are more based on Bitcoin, but trying to do the same thing? Yeah, I can. I can try. I, um, I'm maybe going to be a bit out of my depth here, so so people who know a lot about these protocols are going to be kind of screaming into the um, into their computers about how wrong I am. Um, so yeah, so. Um, I mean, I mean, yes. What, what, I mean, what we were talking about earlier a little bit was the way um, there are now these kind of two competing um, schools of thought about how you can do complex contract logic um, on a decentralized um, platform, right? So, so there's, there's kind of Gavin's and um, Bit Ethereum concept, which is also what the, the Ripple people seem to have taken up. 
Um, and then there's the, the Ethereum idea that you can actually, um, you know, run all kinds of contract logic um, on the blockchain and have all of the nodes. And then I, 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 if, at least if I've got this right about Ethereum, I hope I've got this right, that, you know, then, then that if you've got a, a transaction, then all of the nodes in the network have to, you know, validate that trans, or at least all the you know, participating full nodes have to, to validate that transaction. Um, and to run the contract and to, code. I guess to yes. run the contract code. Of yeah. course. I suppose that's how it works. <laughs> of course, you yeah. could do the same thing as the bit theory. Right, you, you could, could do the same also thing. Have the yeah, that's right. You could, you could certainly do the, the same thing on on, um, on Ethereum. But but the idea behind Ripple seems to be kind of that you can do yeah. this arbitrary contract logic. Um, and I mean, the, the, arbitrary contract, the idea of doing arbitrary contract logic is a new thing, right? It's an innovation. Um, and we haven't seen it tried yet. And I don't think anyone knows if it's going to work. Um, um, we, we all hope it's going to work and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we're, we're kind of waiting to see, but I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, was, I was, I think I was saying this the other night, but I'm not even absolutely certain that the Bitcoin incentive system is going to work. I mean, you know, we, we know we have issues with decentralization. Um, we don't really know, you know, it, it, it seems like the, the miners all kind of run from a profit, for a profit motive, but we haven't really seen a majority of really nasty miners at the moment, you know? We, and we haven't had a majority of really dysfunctional organizations running mining. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, time, the time we had, you know, we had that fork and everybody got onto IRC and said, okay, well, I'll give up my blocks. You know, it was all kind of run by these kind of gentleman anarchists. Um, and then we've kind of progressed to this time. We've got kind of guys like Ghash who, um, well, we don't know much about them, but, you know, at least they, they seem to be running with um, a strong profit motive. But, you know, even then what happens when we get to the next stage of any business where it's run by kind of psychopaths with MBAs, right? And, you know, in, in a big organization, you can get really strange dysfunctional behavior where even if you might think, well, this doesn't seem to be in the interests of your company because you're doing something harmful to Bitcoin and your company is relying on Bitcoin. You know, if you've got some weird organizational setup and you've given people funny bonuses, right? You know, you, people can do very strange things. You know, it probably wasn't in the interests of Lehman Brothers for the guys at Lehman Brothers to do what they did and, and to run up the debts they did. But, um, you know, they still did it. So, 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 I, so, so I think even Bitcoin, which has ha had, you know, relatively a, a, a lot of kind of real world testing and a lot of um, serious stress testing with a lot of serious money at stake, even there, we don't quite know whether the incentives work. Um, and Ethereum, it's going to, you know, is everybody really going to validate things properly? Are people going to do weird things? We don't, we don't really know any of that yet. Um, so, so, you know, Ethereum, it's a, in a way, you know, it's a more, it's a very ambitious project. Um, so, so it seems like the um, kind of the, the bit Ethereum concept, the, the idea of handing this thing off to trusted oracles is, seems seem like we can be a bit more confident that that's going to work than we can be confident that Ethereum is going to work. Um, but obviously, if Ethereum works, that's much better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I think I think it will be uh, extremely fascinating to see how this turns out. Um, so we're at the end of our episode. If people want to um, try out Reality Keys, right? So uh, yeah. the website is realitykeys.com. Uh, yeah. That's right. Um, with the runkeeper thing, I guess uh, you're going to have some user interface on the web that people can actually yes. uh, use. Yep. Uh, actually, it's, it's there right now, but it's a mess. <laughs> you, can, you can see it if you're invested in it. It's, it's at um, buymycoins.com. As in, I swear, buy my coins. Okay. Um, but but I'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a proper announcement once that's actually ready to, um, to, to use. 
Okay, um, is there some other way uh, people can contact you or get uh, in touch with you? Um, uh, your yep, so, so if you look at our, um, our website on the About page, we've got a, um, a, an email address, as well, support at realitykeys.com. Um, there's also our uh, Twitter handle on the, on the bottom of that. Um, and we also monitor the, the relevant thread that's linked on, the, on our site at um, Bitcoin Talk if you want to, uh, to talk about things there. Um, so please don't hesitate to get to um, get in touch. You know, I mean, I met some guys in Berlin who've been kind of puzzling over some things that I could probably have, have helped them with. So, you know, please, please don't hesitate if you're not sure how something works or you're not sure how to do something. Um, then please do reach out. Um, and I hope you can make something interesting. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, okay, thank you very on. much. It's super interesting. Um, so just very briefly, uh, as we kind of wrap up, uh, we have one announcement to make. So, so far, the way we've been uh, calling episodes, so we've had the, the regular episodes that we release on Mondays and we add generally uh, extra conference content on Thursdays. So the, the Monday episodes have the sort of regular episode numbers and the, the Thursday episodes, we generally gave uh, other names. Uh, and so we are kind of breaking away from that. So we also can have some more flexibility about when to release what content. So for now on, we're going to uh, number all the episodes uh, as sort of regular episodes. And um, yeah, so uh, there may be some changes there, but uh, it's uh, mainly as far as the naming goes and, and perhaps some of the release schedule, but uh, not much. Um, so thanks so much for listening. If you want to support us, you can uh, donate to us, which is very much appreciated. You can do that at epicenterbitcoin.com slash tips. And you thank you to those up. who have donated. Yes. <laughs> thank you very much. We, we re- received a few donations uh, recently and we, yeah, we don't know who you are, but thank you. $50 like recently, so that was nice. Um, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at epicenterbtc. And uh, if you want to, you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which goes out every Friday. Uh, and you can do that at epicenterbitcoin.com slash newsletter. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.